So that was the shortest sermon ever given. <laughs> the second shortest sermon ever given was probably really the sermon for today. Jesus loves you. God loves you more than we can ever imagine. And that's where we're going to finish today's sermon yeah. on just looking at how much Jesus loves us. Jim was a supervisor on a shop floor of a large corporation and he walked around the floor and he connected with people and he helped them out and he served their needs and he looked after them. And that was the way Jim operated. And because Jim operated like that, the people loved him and the people worked hard and the business, the company flourished. It wasn't long after that though that the president of the company, noticing how effective Jim was, promoted him to be a vice president of the company. And Jim moved from the shop floor where he worked with all the other people into a fancy big office with a big glass window that overlooked the shop floor. He was given a car, a raise, a secretary to bring him coffee and everything that goes with being a vice president. One day, it was noticed that the people on the shop floor, production had dropped. Their happiness level had disappeared, their self-confidence had gone. There was no spirit left in the company. The wise president took Jim aside one day and said to Jim, after closing the door and taking him over behind that door to a mirror that was hanging there, Asked Jim, what did he see? And Jim responded, well, I see myself, obviously. <laughs> then taking Jim over to the window that overlooked the shop floor on that 10th floor, he asked Jim, now what do you see? Well, I see a lot of people getting on with their daily work and living out their lives. And then the president turned to Jim and said, no sooner do we add some silver li lining to the glass do we stop seeing people and we start seeing ourselves? This morning we want to talk about that, about a healthy relationship with ourselves, with each one of us. We are in this series, we're finishing the series, and, but we all have an opinion of ourselves. It's interesting that we're finishing the series by looking at ourselves and not starting it because all the other things have come together, but it's just really the starting point of really having a healthy relationship. <clears throat> Some of us have a high opinion of our, ourselves, and it's uh, even unrealistic. We think that we're God's gift to everybody else around us, um, and to all those we relate to. And some of us are often too harsh, maybe more of us. We unrealistically think of ourselves with low self-esteem, we haven't got much to offer. Our worth is really low. We're just those ordinary people that are not noticed and really don't make any difference. So my hope today is that we find that balance in the middle. So let me start by stating this about healthy relationships with ourselves, that frankly it's not all about ourselves. It's really about God. It's about us. And it's also about others. We look up to God and God looks down to us. And we look out to other people and bring them into community. God wants a relationship 
with each one of us, God wants us to be in relationship and in community. If you really think about it, that's what the body of Christ is. That's what this church is. That's what you all are. We are in relationship with each other, hopefully looking up to God. And I want to encourage us to continue to look out to others. While he can do what he wants to do, and he can do anything and everything without us, I'm sure, that's not how God wants it to be. God wants us to be in this community. The old acronym that uh, people use in business sometimes, and that acronym for team, T-E-A-M, together everyone achieves more. We are all more people, we are all better people, we are all satisfied people, we are all more fulfilled people when we are working together in community with other people. The scripture today talks about how we work together with other people. It talks about the gifts that God's given us and what we can do with them. So let's look now at the scripture and listen. Follow along if you have a Bible. We're reading from Romans 12, starting at verse 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, a clear head, if you like, in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each one of you. For just as each of us has one body, and that body has many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, so we as community, uh, though many, we form one body, and each member belongs to all others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance to your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. And if it's encouraging, then give encouragement. If it's in giving, then give generously. And if you lead, do it diligently. And if it is to show mercy, show mercy cheerfully. And jumping to just one more verse, verse 16. Paul says, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud but willing to associate with people of low position, do not be conceited. Do not be conceited. Paul starts out the passage by telling us that it's by God's grace that we've each been given certain gifts, certain characteristics, certain personalities. God's given that. Grace is undeserved merit, undeserved gift, gifts given to us. They're generally referred to as spiritual gifts, but it's interesting to think of them as grace gifts. God's gifts given to us. We haven't earned them and we may not deserve them. So here's the list again. And while I go through this list one more time, think about yourself. Think about um, what comes to mind when you think about these gifts. Test them in your own mind by thinking about what gives you joy. What gives you a sense of worth? What gives you satisfaction? Not whether you have the skill to do them, but whether God works within you to say, this is what I'm made for. This is what really is all of, I'm all about. What do we respond positively? What do other people respond positively to us about? Do you have the gift of prophecy? Maybe not many. Serving, every one of us can. Teaching, some. 
better than others, encouraging, I think we all can, helping, meeting the needs of people, healing and care and showing mercy. See, did you notice that Paul prefaces his list of gifts by making sure, right from the beginning, that our feet are firmly planted on the ground, that we're not looking in that mirror and only seeing how great we are. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, says Paul. Be careful how you think of yourself, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. You can't think of yourself if you're not sober with a clear head. Think of yourself with sober judgment, with a clear head, in accordance with the measure of faith that these grace gifts from God have been given to you. So we shouldn't boast about our gifts as if we had something or anything to do with them. It's been said that the hardest secret for a man to keep is what? His opinion of himself. It's hard for us to keep that. We learn not to say it to other people so that we don't share what we're, but we think about it internally. However, our scripture really says to us that healthy self-esteem and a realistic sense of worth and value is important because we work with God's gifts. We think too little of ourselves, we do nothing then and hide in the background and of no value to the body, to the community. While on the other hand, if we think so highly of ourselves that we are God's gift to the human race, that we leave all the work to other people. And you probably have met some people that are so heavenly minded uh, that they're of no earthly good. And we don't want to be that person either. The key to a healthy relationship with ourselves is then found in an honest and a realistic internal evaluation of ourselves, recognizing that the basis of who we are, the basis of our self-worth is found in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Remember this, that our identity as Christians is found in Christ. Our identity is found in Christ. Apart from Christ, we're not capable of very much by eternal standards, his standards, but in him we are valuable and capable of much. Our identity is found in Christ. Evaluating ourselves by worldly standards of success and achievement, which is what we often do, and the world does, can cause us to think too much about the worth of, in our eyes uh, than the Mr. True Value in God's eyes. And that's just not healthy. How do we know something is healthy or not healthy? How do we know our bodies are healthy or not healthy? Really through a good and thorough health checkup. And the health checkup that's good and thorough is more than just to look at the outside appearance. If we go to our doctor and we have our annual checkup, do we sit in the doctor's room and have a cup of coffee and talk story about how things are going? And he says, well, you look pretty good. <laughs> no, it doesn't work like that, does it? It doesn't work on the surface. We might have an x-ray, we all have blood work, we might give some samples for analysis and so on. And so if I look on the inside, we can get the report that gives the doctor a clearer idea a realistic and honest idea of how our health is. Likewise, to look at ourselves in this bigger sense, we need to look beyond our shape, thank goodness, 
That wasn't a joke. <laughs> I was looking for some mercy. <laughs> we look out, outside of our bodies, our appearance, outside of our, the regular exercise we get, outside of the hobbies and interests we have, outside of the time we spend relaxing and catching up with ourselves. Because if you go to the internet and look at a healthy relationship with yourself, you will see uh, page after page of all these ideas on how to have a healthy self-esteem, how to have a healthy relationship with yourself. And it's all these things about exercise and taking time for yourself and spending some reading and feel good about yourself and uh, eat well and so on. But to have a healthy relationship and a view of ourselves in the sense that God's talking about, in the sense that we really as a body of Christ should be looking at, we need to look deeper. It's only then that we can take some action. This needs to be honest because all worthwhile relationships are built on truth. You know that um, when you think about it from a business sense, from a life sense, from a marriage sense, that uh, all relationships are built on trust. But trust doesn't hang there all on its own. Trust is built on truth. If you look at this slide, it really says what it's all about. Because if we want to have a healthy relationship with anyone, whether it be in work or in sport or in family and in marriage and in community, that relationship has to be built on a trust. And the only way that trust is built on is on truth and honesty. And when we're looking at ourselves, that's our self-awareness, our honest assessment of ourselves. Just think about that for a minute, about that trust. Think about it from a boss and a follower that you're in, a husband and a wife, a pastor and the rest of us, a parent and a child. Truth is the basis of trust, and trust is the basis of an honest relationship, a working relationship. A relationship without trust is like a phone service, uh, with a, uh, is like a phone without a phone service. And what do we do with a phone that doesn't have a service? We play games, and we have to be careful. Here then, I want to give you four essentials, I believe, are the essentials for having this healthy relationship with ourselves. Firstly, we need to be aware of who we are in Christ. We need to be aware that we are a child of God, that we're part of his family, we're not all alone. We need to be aware that we're made in his image. It's how much he loves us, we're made in his image. That we're saved and we're made new by the grace of God, that free gift that God gives to all of us who believe and that we're blessed with gifts from God. We may have gifts from God, and you may think you don't have them. They are not your skills that you have developed for work or for living. They are the other things that come in that give a new dimension to us. We saw that list of them. We may be a carpenter, but our gift may be one of just serving other people. We may be a nurse and do healing, but, we may, but God may really use that further to be, have mercy to people in the community. The key to living a Christian life is to discover who we are, not in ourselves, but in, in Christ. And then we know who we are in ourselves. We have a good, good father, as we sang last week, 
and he gives us good, good gifts and that should make us feel good, good people. We need to be realistic, secondly, about the gifts that God's given us. Remember, God says, do not think, uh, Jesus says, do not think uh, of yourself more highly than you ought. We need to be realistic. Sometimes, for some of us, that's the hardest thing for us to do because we think we are God's gift to the community that we're in. We think that our skills, our commitment to work, our ability to turn up regularly makes us better than everybody else. Do not think more highly of yourself. And in that sense, we need to listen to other people. We need to do what that opening story says, that sometimes we don't need to just look at ourselves in the mirror. We need to look outside. What do other people say about us? How do other people respond to us? What are we hearing from other people? You know that story in Samuel about Nathan? Nathan was a, a servant to the King David. And King David was uh, running riot in that stage with his life. He was into the world of adultery and misbehavior, thinking so much of himself that he could get away with things. And David came, uh, Nathan, the lowly Nathan, came to King David and held up a mirror to David and told him a story about a man that had uh, sheep and they were stolen and somebody else, and the king got wild and said, who would do that? And David said, that's you. You see, sometimes we need other people to hold the mirror up to ourselves and it needs to have them in the other side of the mirror telling us just who we are. We think so highly of ourselves sometimes that we don't see all the sin that is in our life. We need to ha ha be reflected that we need to see the reflection of ourselves as other people see us. It sometimes puts our feet on, ourselves, uh, on the ground. William Barclay said this, that an honest assessment of our own capabilities, of who we are and what we can do, without conceit and without false modesty, really is, though, one of the first essentials uh, of being somebody that lives a healthy life. The third that we are... We need to be content with who we are and what we have. Contentment really is one of those interesting things that I think is the center of a happy life. If we can all be content with who we are, where we are, what is given us, I would think that our happiness quotient would go up enormously. And I think we would be happy in community if we were content with ourselves. You see, the problem with contentment comes because we compare. We live in a world with other people that we should be building off of and serving, and yet we realistically often use that as a put-down for ourselves. They have a better car. They have a happier marriage. They have terrific kids. It always follows, not like me. I remember when I was running my business, or the business, uh, that one of the things would happen on annual review time would be that as we reviewed the people coming in in our company, the engineers, the vice presidents, and everybody else, we would review those people. And there would be a certain number of them that would always want to say that I deserve more because he gets more, or she gets more, they do less, they're not as good as me. 
You see, when that person walked into my office, they were happy with their job, they were happy with their title, they were happy with their role, and they were happy with their salary. But when I gave them an opportunity to share, it wasn't sharing about how happy it was, they were sharing and comparing themselves with somebody else. And I said to them that you came in happy, and now you've compared yourself with Mary or John or Joseph, now you are leaving unhappy. Comparison, think about it, think about it in our own life, comparison can make us unhappy, can make us discontented. And yet when we stop to compare, we are all happy, we can all be happy with our own life. You know that the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence, but remember, it always and always needs to be mowed. It may look good out there, but there is something attached to it. Comparison is the cancer of contentment. And Jesus says to us, be content with all that we have in every and all situations. For I, Christ, can do all things through you um, because I strengthen you. We all have that one-on-one relationship with Jesus Christ. We all have the opportunity to have that life in Christ. We all have the ability to say yes if we so choose. And then there is nothing more to compare with. We have the best that there is to offer in the world. We can be content with ourselves. And fourthly, we need to then be willing to do something with it. If we've got ourselves together, we've been honest in our assessment, we've been content with where we are, we need to be willing to share all that we have with God. Romans 12, 13 says, share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. There's a gift that we can all develop. Practice hospitality. And from our text today, do not be proud but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. I spent some of my life, some of my holiday periods when I was younger, working in uh, faraway places in poor locations, working with people to build things um, that um, some people would say was a silly waste of my time. It was the best thing I've ever done in my life. I remember that I went to Bali two or three times to the mountain regions of Bali, that little island in the archipelago of Indonesia. And uh, the Bali people at one stage had a beautiful church and a big uh, earthquake came in the 1960s, early 70s and demolished the whole church. And so I went to um, help rebuild that church. And an interesting thing I observed was that we had to build the church with bricks and blocks and stones and mortar, but we had no water. And that seemed to me to be a big problem. But the people of Bali didn't see it as a problem. They said, oh, we'll just build a a dam, uncle. I was just going to say, we built a dam wall. And I thought, (laughs) that's not the right place to... We'll just build a wall to dam the water. And when we got the water, we'll build a pipeline and then we'll get the water to where the church is, and then we will uh, build our church. I had gone there thinking that maybe two one-month visits, we could get this church going. Three and a half years later, we got the church built. 
These people were so patient, I learned so much from these poor, poor people. Poor people that had very little. Poor people that, that by my standards, would earn as far as money or practical wealth would have in one year what I could get in one or two weeks. And all of a sudden, I started to learn from these poor. I looked at this verse and I thought, this is where I've learned so much about my life from these poor people sharing with them. Well, you know what they did just to finish the story? They said, there's no problem. There's a, a canyon and the water runs down the bottom of the canyon. If we put this dam wall across the bottom, dam off the water, then we can build up a dam. Well, how do we get the dam? Well, if you can, Uncle, find some money in Australia to get some pipe, we can run the pipe from the wall down here to the village down below, and now we'll catch the water. And so we raised some money. This was not a 100-foot pipe. This was three kilometres. So from where the catchment area was in the top of the mountain to where the church was down towards the valley, three kilometres. Well, we did that. Well, how are we going to build this wall? Oh, we have lots of people in the church. Where the village is a Christian village, and so everyone will help. And they did. And they brought their gifts, and you know what their gifts were? Not what I thought they could do of machinery and plows and skills. They just brought themselves, most of them with baskets that they put have on their heads. And so we built this wall, 15 foot high to hold back water, 20 foot wide at its base, and we built it out of big boulders and clay. And the men would roll the boulders into position, and some of the younger men and some women would carry in baskets on the head clay from the fields over there, and they'd tip the clays in. And then a second group of women would come with buckets on their head of water that they'd collected and tipped the water in. And a third group of people were there stomping in. Well, 12 months later, the wall was built. Big, wide, strong wall. Stones, clay, water, and feet. And it held back. And then we put the pipes in and then we built the church. You see, I would think that that was a two or three month a project of which we would take people from churches where I was living and we would go and we would do mission work and in three or four months or three or four visits we would actually be in a position that the church would be building. But these people had the patience to do it in their own way with their own gifts, with their own spirit and finished up building a wall, a water line and a church and it took three years and they were happy all the way along content with who they were, with what they could give, and the end result that God would have the glory in. That's not the end of the story. These Christian people took three years because once they got the, the water dammed up, they decided that the Hindu villages around them deserved the water more than they did. And so they put on the back burner the building of their church to first use these pipes that we had developed, uh, that we had raised money for. And the first thing they did was they took the water in two different directions to the Hindu villages 
and gave them water before they gave them to themselves. What do you think happened to that region? What do you think people thought about Christians? What do you think people thought about the Christian's God? You see, we can do work with small, peop- with small people, with poor people. But the big what do you think? What do you think an impact that had on my life? Seeing what other people could do with their gifts that were so simple. So we need to share those gifts. We need to be aware who God, who we are in Christ first. That we're his child of God, we're made by him, we're made in his image, we're saved and we're blessed. We need secondly to be realistic about who we are um, in Christ. Thirdly, we need to uh, be honest, uh, be content with, with who we are. You know, we can be content if we re- remember this, that only the humble people can, be, can serve, can be content, that only the secure people can be humble, but only the saved people can be secure. Shall I say that again? Only the humble people can serve, think of others. Only the secure people can be that humble, but only the saved people, God's people, can be secure. So let's just um, grasp hold of these truths for ourselves, that it starts with us, that we connect with God, but it's really God connecting with us. And as that connection takes place, we then need to build in community to serve others, knowing that God made us, and that's healthy. So automatically follows that we help other people. Look up, look out, and then say thank you. And when we say thank you, we know that we can trust God. He is trustworthy because he is truth. Remember, all healthy relationships are built on trust, but all trust is built on truth. God can be believed. He is who he says he is. He is to be trusted. God loves you and me, no matter where we are, no matter who we are, young or old, male or female, clever or becoming clever. (laughs) A worker with our hands or a thinker with our minds. A worker in the field or the president of a company. Whoever we are, God loves us. Just as we are, and just where we are. That leads us to realize that God accepts us. And the big question, I think, is are we really really ready as people to accept God? Sometimes the hardest thing for us to do is accept God's acceptance of us because we sometimes are too hard on ourselves. Know this this morning, that God accepts us just as we are, and he asks us to accept his acceptance. And then he says to us, and if there are people here today that really, there may not be, but if there are people here that haven't come to grips with that, that God loves you that much, that he accepts you just as you are, you can make a commitment to God. He's there ready to listen to you. He's there ready to connect with you. All you need to say is that I'm ready. And if you're one of those people that haven't made that commitment and you're still thinking that you're more important than everything else in the world, and you haven't put God in that important position, you can do that. You can talk to a pastor. 
accept God's acceptance of yourself and then go out and use those grace-given gifts in humble service for the body of Christ. Being confident of this, says Paul, that he who began a good work in you, that God who began the work in you is faithful, just and sure to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. As we go out today, just go with a spring in your feet, a smile on your face and some joy in your heart, knowing that God loves you. God loves you more than you can ever imagine. Amen.